The game. It is the John Chuckery Show live on this Wednesday evening with you as we get ready for Falcons action coming back home this weekend, taking on the Carolina Panthers, a game that they believe it or not, Falcons are favored. Line has dropped from six and a half down to four. So, uh, but Falcons are favored, and uh, of course, as we do on Wednesdays, we head out to the WaitFor.com hotline. We talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney. She, of course, covers the Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. Check out all of her work there, and of course. At Tory underscore McElhaney. Tori, as always, appreciate a few minutes here as we get ready for another week of Falcons football. Absolutely. Always appreciate talking to you guys. So I think this stat is is interesting about the offensive philosophy of the Falcons. In their, th- in their four losses this year, they actually average 137.25 yards rushing per game, which is an outstanding number. But they've lost all four of those games. In their mm-hmm. three wins, they average 183 yards per game. So I know the narrative in the NFL has always been 100 yards is that magic number. But it does feel like with the questions about the passing game and this, that, and the other, it feels like that 150 is going to have to be kind of the bar for the Falcons to be able to find a way to win some of these games. I know that's not an easy number to get to, but it is starting to become the trend of where they have to be offensively. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we've talked a little bit over the course of the first month and a half now of the season that the identity of the Falcons is a physical run first offense. And and that's kind of where they are at this point in time and, and where they like to be. And, you know, I, I go back to the, uh, the, the, game, the Cleveland game where they – basically ran the ball 40 times in that game and it's like is that the clip of which like they need to stay at in order to be successful and you know these stats that you're talking about too it it does make you wonder where they go from here and I think I was actually talking to Alameda Zacchaeus in the in the locker room earlier today and I was talking to him about the past game and, and kind of essentially feeling like you know this isn't a team anymore this isn't an offense anymore that is going to throw the ball 40 to 50 times in a game. That's not, that's not where they're at right now. And so being able to not just capitalize on those passing yard moments, but when like that, that's something that they have to do better and they have to ex- execute better. And he even said, he's like, you know, we do understand that we need to be more of a balanced offense. And that is something that we're working towards. I think the Bengals loss was actually something that was very eye-opening for this team in regards to where they want to go offensively. And, you know, Tori, I, I don't think that if they threw it 50 times or five times, they were going to beat the Bengals on Sunday. Just so many injuries and, and you got a hot team and just I think there were a lot of things working against them. This is my yeah. concern, though, with the offense. We get into a game against, you know, maybe not a great team. Let, let's just take this Sunday. You get into a game like Sunday, and let's say Carolina's got you shut down for 55, 60 yards, and you got nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and you're down by 10. At some point, you're going to have to incorporate your passing game. And what concerns me is it's not even about balance. What I'm getting concerned is are we becoming more than just run dependent? I mean, are we almost becoming like we're incompetent in some ways in the passing game that – we're not even taking some chances here or there, even down by two or three touchdowns. 
So I think that looking back on the second half of the the loss to the Bengals, I, I think there is kind of a level of there is this narrative going around that the Falcons didn't pass the ball. Like they didn't even try or attempt to pass the ball. And that is just, honestly, it's just not true. When you go back and watch, they only had 18 plays over the course of that second half, which is not a lot <laughs> in and of itself, 18 plays. But I want to say anywhere from 10 to 13 of those plays were technically dropbacks where Marcus Mariota is trying to get the ball downfield to the receivers. Now, I say 10 to 13 because I think there is a discrepancy there like with some of the sacks and then some of the runs that Mariota had were those design runs or not. Like there, there, there is a discrepancy there, but it wasn't like in the second half they were exclusively going, trying not to throw the ball. It, that wasn't the case. What was the case is they were have. It wasn't the issue of being able to throw the ball. It was being able to execute and produce when throwing the ball. And I think that is the difference in kind of the the argument that I would make is that they are throwing the ball in these obvious situations where they need to throw the ball and they're coming from behind and all those kind of things, but they're not executing at the clip where it becomes successful successful for them to do that on a consistent basis. I think that's the difference that I, I feel like people need to understand about this. And that's what Arthur Smith has talked about this week. That's what some of the receivers I've talked to this week, they've been talking about executing in the moments that matter. And I think that's exactly what they mean when we talk about the second half of that Bengals loss. Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joins us for a weekly conversation here on the WadeFord.com hotline. I think the other thing that is hurting them as well is Cordero Patterson has been so effective in helping them in the pass game, in in using him in more than just the running game. Over the last couple of seasons, he's been a definite part of what they want to do, whether it was Matt that was here or Marcus Mariota, but he's definitely a piece of that. I do think that once they get him back, besides having another guy who can help run the football, I think his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield is going to aid in them being able to do some different things passing it. I completely agree. I mean, I, I think – for, for CP, and I'll even say this, when Arthur Smith was asked about CP coming back and kind of hoping that he could come back next week, he said, I'm excited to get CP back. I'm excited for him to be healthy again. And I, I think that's really important because, look, we, we know the importance of what CP is in this offense. But to your point about helping out in terms of the pass game, it really does. When you have Cordero Patterson out there, he adds such a level of mystery to what you do offensively because of his versatility that you, I mean, to be completely honest, you do not have right now at the running back position. I think that's important to say is that like, it, it's not anything against Tyler Algier or Caleb Huntley. Cause I think they've been doing some really, really good things with, with Patterson on IR but having him coming out of the backfield, whether it's via a handoff or catching the ball out of the backfield, I think he just adds a certain level of versatility that the Falcons have kind of been missing over the course of the last four games. And I think you did see that when they are going up against a, a team as playing as well as the Bengals are right now. Tori, I know the Falcons have, it's either like the fourth or fifth most cap space available here. And, of course, we're you know less than a week away now from the trade deadline. 
I personally don't think they're going to make any moves. I know they've said, look, we're always burning up the phone and we're always looking. And I get that and I understand that completely. Do you think realistically they're going to make any moves at the trade deadline or are they pretty well set with the group that they've got? Even injuries aside and things like that, they're going to play through what they've got and, and just kind of keep the roster as is. Yeah, I kind of lean towards that a little bit. I mean, I think all it's really interesting because I feel like the NFL trade deadline is, is very different than some other professional leagues where it's a lot quieter than I think what you see in other other sports, other professional sports. But for the Falcons right now, I, I do think that it's a situation where you just keep moving forward. And, you know, even though you don't know kind of what's going to happen with Casey Hayward, you still feel like you're okay with Darren Hall, and hopefully you can get A.J. Terrell back. So I think as beat up as they are as a secondary right now, I think it's not beat up enough long-term to where you would maybe want to look to go out and get somebody and bring them in. And then at some other positions, I mean, there still is some pretty good depth. You're about to get CP back off of IR. I mean, there there are some decisions that they'll have to make in terms of the, the running back position, too. So I feel like it, that part of it is, if you're looking at it just from, from helping out depth injuries-wise, I feel like the Falcons are not in a terrible spot in that regard. In not have, they feel like they have to go out and get somebody. And, yeah, they do have money to play around with, but I think the last thing that this front office wants to do is to get into a situation where they're hurting for money. And they're not willing, I think, as a front office right now to do anything long-term because they don't want to make the mistake of the last regime in terms of handing out any contracts that are going to linger and hurt them in the long run. So I think that is something that this organization under this leadership is very cognizant of. Last thing for you, Tori. Um, it was good to see them get home on the pass rush last week. We talked about the fact that Burrow had been sacked so many times, and it felt like a week he could get healthy. Uh, look, I, I, you know, pressures and hurries are great, but sacking the quarterback is the name of the game. That's what gets you paid. That's what they put in that stat sheet. So I thought it was good to see that. I'm hoping this weekend that some of that momentum that they kind of got themselves back on track that carries over to Carolina this week. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And it, it was good for them to kind of get that momentum. But the thing about it is, is like, I think, yes, the sacks are all well and good, but this entire defense has a lot to prove going into this next uh, next week. I mean, when you give up over 500 yards of total offense, like, yes, it was nice to have those sacks, but at the cost of what? You know, like, it, it's it's almost like – I don't want to say, like, what does it matter? Because it does matter, I think, in the long run, especially because you have guys like D'Angelo Malone, guys like Arnold Ebicati, who are these young rookies that are still trying to figure things out in the league and figure out what they do best. So it does matter in that regard. But as a defense, it's almost like, yeah, okay, well, we sacked Joe Burrow, but he also threw for – I mean, he broke records for the Bengals organization for how many passing yards he had in that game. So – I almost take it with a grain of salt. I think this coming game against Carolina is a good opportunity to see if they can kind of rebound and regroup from that and still see the same type of like sack production that they had against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And this is going to be a different challenge too, because of what we have seen PJ Walker be able to, to do when he is extending plays with his legs or vice versa. So that, that is another layer to this, that, I think you have to think about as well. 
AtlantaFalcons.com is where you check out our work, at Tori underscore McElhaney on Twitter. Tori joined us on the WaitFor.com hotline. Tori, as always, appreciate it. We will chat again next Wednesday. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with the John Chuckery Show. 921 live in the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app say catches on the go. Social media at 929 The Game. At JMCH316 is at underscore Dale Matthews. Head to the top of the hour. We'll hand it off to JR Sports Brief at that point. So... About 40 more minutes to go. We'll talk some nonsense coming up here. We'll get back into some Falcons conversation, plus a couple other things that I want to throw out there as well. Top 10 here in just a couple minutes as well. So, Dylan, I sent you this picture. This is what the tweet said. So, basically, you walk into a Chinese restaurant and order a three-entree plate with your choice of lo mein or fried rice. So, basically, you're walking into uh, what Panda Express. Yeah. And... You got you're, you're gonna get three entrees. So you get your mm-hmm. r- rice or noodles, whatever like that. So here's the choices. You gotta pick three. They give you nine choices. You gotta pick three: kung pao shrimp, General Tso's chicken, orange chicken, beef and broccoli, crab rangoons, sesame chicken, sweet and sour pork, or wonton soup or egg drop soup. What three entrees are you taking? This is easy. Easily General Tso's or General Tao, however you pronounce it. So, General So. Yeah. So, give me General Tso's chicken, give me orange chicken, and give me sesame chicken. That's easy. I slightly had to think about maybe beef and broccoli or maybe a so no crab rangoon. Sh- so, none of that other stuff, huh? Nope. All chicken. Yep. Just give me General Tso's chicken, give me orange chicken, give me sesame chicken. I'm good. Maybe beef and broccoli, maybe I- crab rangoon, sweet and sour pork. Those would be like my 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 second second team, but... No, General So's orange and Are sesame. you familiar with General So's chicken? Yeah, I've eaten it a bunch of times. Okay. Cuz it's you know it's like it's like hot spicy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um me, I'm I'm actually the exact opposite. Really? I'm going kung pao shrimp. Okay. Beef and broccoli. Mhm. And I'll go with the sesame chicken, but I I I might take the sweet and sour pork, but definitely kung pao shrimp and beef and broccoli. See, I'm not a big shrimp guy. I only like fried shrimp. Yeah, and I get I get that. Yeah. I mean, because I, I don't think it's coincidence you went with all three chicken dishes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Out of all of it. So. <laughs> all right. What are you technically? Gen Z, Gen Y, don't I, be millennial. Like I what? think I am actually a millennial. I was born in 1996, so I think that makes me a millennial. I have to look it up. All right, so the Gen Zs, which I think are my daughter, because it's the teenagers, right? I think you have Gen Correct. X, Gen Y, then Gen Z, I think is how it goes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm technically, I guess, I think I'm a Gen Xer because I'm not a baby boomer. So I think I'm a Gen Xer is what what that what I'm considered. And then Gen, Gen Y is the group after me, and then yeah. my daughter – who's a teenager now, she's in the Gen Z. So I am a millennial. I just made the millennial cut. So 1981 to 1996 are millennials. Okay. 
Yeah, they're the, they're the worst. Um, so <laughs> We're the best, you mean. Yeah, they're the worst. Um, so in a recent survey of over 14,000 teens across the country, they named their favorite fast food restaurants. For This is basically teenagers, right? Okay. What right. do you think their favorite fast food restaurant was? Uh, it's on the sheet here, so I'm going to guess Chick-fil-A. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize I wrote it down there. So, yeah. um, What do you think was second? Ooh. And, and this one is it, – it's maybe debatable if it's actually like fast food, but – Okay. I mean, think about what you dopes – Go to. If you're not going to Chick Fil A, what would be like second? Uh, like Wendy's. Like you can't go five feet without running into one. Uh, can't go five feet without running. Yeah, McDonald's. And, no. Well, Waffle House. No. You're you're so McDonald's is two, three, fourth. McDonald's is fourth. Okay. It wasn't Waffle House. No, no. I, this is. Like I said, I don't know if it's technically fast food. Okay. That may be stretching it a little bit, the term food, but it certainly is like arguably the most popular chain that's in the country. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea. Star Schmucks. Uh, that's no well, I yeah, I guess that's fast food. I would I wouldn't have guessed Starbucks. That was, yeah. that was not my Right, that's why I said the, 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 ter- the term food is used loosely. Then. Yeah, very but loosely. Chick-fil-A came in with 15%. Um Star Schmucks came in at 12%. <laughs> then McDonald's was fourth. Olive Garden was fifth. Underrated. What do you, what do you think third was? Because this is a place that you like. Cookout? No. Oh. Dude. No, nobody knows about cookout. I mean, think about big national chain. Okay, 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 okay. I know you love. I know you've said before you love this place. And again, maybe you won't consider it fast food, but I mean it's quick, easy food. Uh, like Dunkin' Donuts? No. Um, no. Get a little bit more exotic than that. A little more exotic? Yeah. Jeez, oh, I can't. I can't think of it. What where, is where, it? Where would you go for a bowl? A bowl? Yeah. Like a. Like a, a like a rice bowl, sure. Where would you go? Uh, oh, Chipotle. Yeah, yeah. I, Chipotle is my life. So Starbucks, Chipotle, McDonald's, and Olive Garden. I would have never guessed Olive Garden is the the fifth one. How yeah. many teenagers go to Olive Garden? I've taken my daughter to Olive Garden. Olive Garden is underrated, man. Well, remember Vince? Yeah, yeah again, <laughs> Vince Cellini wouldn't say true, that. <laughs> true, authentic Italians are not going to Olive Garden. I can tell you. Like they they would they're insulted by Shoot, by give, all of that. Give me a tour of Italy any day and I'm good. Um, are you familiar with the uh, Berea Pasta Company? It's I, it's the Blue Box Pots Pasta B A R I L L A at the grocery store. Comes in the blue box. It's got the red circle with Berea in the in the name of it. No, I've actually never heard of it. All right, Google it real quick. Okay, because you probably if you saw the box and everything. You've probably seen this at the store if you've ever gone to buy pasta or anything like that, okay? So, while you're looking that up, there is a class action lawsuit against pasta company Berea. Because people say, even though it's an Italian-owned... Oh, I have seen this. Okay, okay, yes. So, even though it's an Italian-owned multinational food company... um. People are suing it because they said that they have been misled into believing that the pasta is made in Italy. Now, they've got 
plants in Iowa, New York, across the country. They're a mass food item, right? Right. People are, there's a class action lawsuit because they say that they make it appear as if that all their pastas are made in Italy. And if they're claiming that it's made in Italy, all of their ingredients in making the pasta should also come from Italy. It was a 28-page order stamped by Magistrate Judge Donna M. Ryu on Monday in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of, guess where, the People's Republic of California. Oh, my gosh. Can I tell you? The worst. They should get everybody involved in this lawsuit that filed it, okay? Uh-huh. This is a class action lawsuit. Right. Bring them into a room and... Put the pasta in there and give them thoughts and stuff like that. And then when they're done, they should close the doors and just throw grenades in there and just be done with it. Throw grenades in And be done with them all. This is one of the few times that I do not disagree with you when it comes to that type of violence. I'm, false, a class action you. lawsuit for false advertising. I mean, where do you have the time to even worry about I, this stuff? I, I have no idea. Like, come on. I have no idea. Are you serious? Like, you imagine, why, how do you have so much time in your hands? Can you imagine the judge having to sign this 28-page order that was brought to them, brought to this lady? Donna Emryu. I mean, how many? How many? Nah, I don't know if I can say this on the radio, but I'm gonna say it anyway. How many? They, they should take every one of those people if they lose this thing and lock them up for the rest of their life in jail. I mean, how many Karens got together and and did this? I mean, and, and talk about what a waste of our judicial time and system for something this stupid. That's why I say so dumb. there needs to be a penalty for these people. They need to be going to jail as well. There ha- there has to be some kind of penalty. In all this for these people as well. I mean, because why does it matter? Do you like the? Do you like to eat the pasta? Then to just eat it. Right. Like, what difference does it what make difference? if their ingredients come? Look, if you want Italian pasta, fly to Italy and go get pasta. Then. Exactly. But who thinks that a mass-produced product like that comes from Italy? Like, the only thing that I know that is mass-produced that comes from the source like that is Jack Daniels. Every right. drop of Jack Daniels is produced. In Lynchburg, Tennessee, every single drop is produced there. It's 80 million gallons a year of Jack Daniels, and it's all produced in Lynchburg. Other than that, where do you think, like, they're, of course they're making Berea pasta in Des Moines, Iowa. They're not flying it over from Italy, or you wouldn't be paying 79 cents for a box of spaghetti, you twit. You wouldn't me get your fettuccine on the low. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think your linguine's coming over here at 84 cents a box? <laughs> think they're bringing it over from, you know, Venice? They're, you know what they're doing? They're, they're, they're scraping all the ratatouille rats together. Can you imagine, like, <laughs> all of that pasta being shipped over from Italy? What the cost? You'd be paying six bucks a box for a, a, for a box of spaghetti. Yep. And not even a big box, a small box. No, no, just the same box as Muller's or what, anything, or Kroger brand or anything. Oh, my God. All right. In honor of uh, pasta and the Chinese food, tonight's top 10 list are top 10 favorite entrees. Now, I had to put this on it because I know how you go. No fast, like, not a fast, not like a chicken sandwich at Chick fil A. Right. I'm talking about like a legitimate meal, not an appetizer. I got Not you. even like pizza. I'm like ready. Legitimate 
entrees. The floor is yours. I'm ready. All right. Number, actually, I'm going to start at the bottom. So it can be stuff like that we make, like homemade, right? Anything. Uh, okay. It, yeah. Okay. Anything like that. Perfect. So we make this. Uh, we don't really make it anymore because we're trying to limit the red meat. But we used to make this uh, thing in the apartment, my girlfriend and I, called steak pasta. Okay. So you get some, like, uh, prime rib. You kind of you cook it. You chop it up a little bit, kind of thinner slices. And uh, I forget the sauce, but you, you put it with this sauce that's really good. And uh, basically, it's like it's a steak pasta. You get you get peppers and stuff with it too. Um, it's really good. So it's so, it's it's oh gosh. I mean, like there's a what do you call like the beef and pasta? Oh man, I can't remember now. All right, go ahead because I can't remember now. Uh, number nine is good chicken fajitas. I make I okay. make chicken fajitas. You know, chicken fajitas from like yes. a Mexican Mexican restaurant. Yep. Chicken fajitas. Period. Good chicken fajitas are amazing. Do you eat anything besides chicken? Yeah. Okay. Not, Ever? I, you sometimes. Okay. I, today I had a uh, I had turkey patties. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> At number eight, uh, this is comes from a specific restaurant. It's, it's here locally. It's called it, the restaurant is called Bangkok Station, and they have this uh, entree. It's called Cashew Prick Pow. It is. Uh, I should have kept it pulled up, but it's basically like. Uh, you get you get your chicken and, and fried rice, and you know it, it's just it's just a really good dish. I'll Sounds like something that's probably like cashews, chicken, string beans, yeah. stuff like that. Uh huh. Okay, it's really good. It's okay. at Bangkok Station. Cashew chicken's actually pretty good. I like I like the cashew chicken. I no, like I like cashews anyway, but cashews. Mm-hmm. All right, and number seven, I talked about earlier. Tour of Italy at Olive Garden. I mean, you, you get that's your favorite. You I get, know. You get everything. Yeah, you get you, the you get the the chicken parm. You yes. get the lasagna. Yes. You get. I think uh, Alfredo. Yep. Yep. Okay. You get the whole nine. Yep. You. I mean, all your taste buds are fulfilled in that yep. one dish. You gotta love it. Chicken enchiladas. Beef this, stroganoff. That's what it is. Oh, beef so stroganoff. So it sort of sounds like you were talking about. Not quite beef stroganoff. No, but, not quite. But that's but it's, it's in, in that, that it's in that yeah, ballpark. It's in that direction. Correct. Yes. Correct. Uh, number six, chicken enchiladas. My mom makes great chicken enchiladas. You know, um, enchiladas are very underrated. They're going to super underrated. Yeah. But yes. Listen, I go for the super, super ones where like you get one chicken, one beef, one yes. cheese. Like yes. I get like the four or five different enchiladas. Yep, that's a great call. Mm-hmm. Um, number five is ranch chicken. Um, it's something my mom made like way back. I haven't had it in a long time, but. You mix like cheese and ranch, and like you put on. I don't. Mm-hmm. I forget all the ingredients, but mm-hmm. it's really good. This is something my girlfriend and I make a lot at the house. Even like during the summer, we make this. We make just regular old chili, and you just eat it with tortilla chips. That is oh, okay. As as a super underrated meal. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, I like that. Um, white chicken chili as well. Have you had like white chicken chili? Yes, I have. That's ah, so good. You put some, eh. you put some like. Cheese on top, some like white mozzarella cheese on top. It's amazing. Corn eh. with some like cornbread muffins. Ah, oh, come on, Chuck. Eh. What, what do you mean? Eh. Eh. Right, if my mom made you something with like with pinto beans or whatever, I mean, yeah. I, listen, I I don't have. I'm not completely anti uh, white chili chicken dilio or whatever. Dilio. But, yeah, it's not my favorite, but was uh, that it? Oh no no no! no okay. Sorry. Um, number two. And this is this is could be a one B, Parmesan crusted chicken from um, Longhorn, Longhorn Steak. Longhorn Steak, yeah, yeah, they buddy, never uh, miss it. Robbie, who used to work here, he used yeah. to always get that. We'd go yes. to Longhorn when he was in town. 
Uh, and he'd always get the because he didn't eat red meat. Yeah. So he'd always get the Parmesan. Chicken. They make it perfect every time. If you want a good meal, go to Longhorn Steakhouse. Get the fire firecracker shrimp as an appetizer. Mm-hmm. Get the uh, Parmesan crusted chicken. You're in heaven. Yep. Number one at a steakhouse, by the way. I mean, hey, but they they make it great yeah. at a steakhouse. Yep, it's all good. <laughs> Somebody says the brother loves him some chicken. Ain't, ain't that the truth? And at number one, Mexican chicken is is something. My mom makes. She taught me how to make it. I made it not too, too long ago. But uh, real quick, it's the base is Doritos. So you crunch up nacho yes. cheese Doritos. Yes. And then you have a mixture of cream of mushroom, uh, one can of cream of mushroom oh, soup. Oh, this is that dish cream that of, you were telling me about yeah, before. Yes. Yeah. Cream of chicken, yep. cheese. You, you cook Dylan up the chicken. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. You okay. mix that all together, put cheese on top. Mwah. All right. I'll run through mine quickly here. Um, I, I love a good egg foo young. Um. You familiar with that? I've, I've heard of it, but okay. I've never yeah, had I, it. I, 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 <laughs> I just didn't expect that. Um, well, I, I, I could say, I wonder if I could get away with, um, <laughs> I, well, I'm not going to say it. No. Um, I enjoy good house lo mein. So oh, yeah. give me the lo mein with chicken, with the pork, with the beef, with mm-hmm. the shrimp. Give me all of that. Um, give me a good rotisserie chicken, like from Publix. There you go. Give me a good rotisserie chicken from good Publix. Call. Um, homemade lasagna, deep yes. dish in a pan lasagna. Yes. Um, I'll t- I, I just had this on Saturday, but I love it. Fish and chips. Oh, yeah. Good I'm call. a big fan of, of fish and chips. Good so call. Enjoy good fried fish. Um, give me a good a bowl of linguine with meat sauce. Not not like I, – I, I do like the red clam sauce, but give me a good thick meat sauce. With linguine, so, I like I like linguine pasta. So when you say better. meat sauce, does that mean like meat is actually chunks of meat or in the yes. sauce? Okay, yeah, like okay. A, like a ground beef in the sauce and everything oh, yeah, like that's, that. That's that'd be amazing. Um, my two my two red meats. Give me a big thick New York strip, and give me a hunk of prime rib. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go to Mexican, give me the Al Cozalone. Uh, Al Al Cozalone. If I'm not saying it right, C A Z U E. L-O-N. Alcozalone. What is that? That is a piece of chicken breast, uh-huh. a piece of flank steak. Oh. They put some chorizo in with it. Ooh. And you get rice and beans and everything. Alcozalone, or I think okay. I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and then I get this. We go to this one place right down on the water and in the bay at Fort Myers, but getting a lobster dinner. And I love the work with it. Give me give me the lobster dinner. Also, too, honorable mention, uh-huh. give, me a, give me a bucket of... Like a boil bucket. Okay. Like with the corn, the potatoes, yeah. the the, um, the crab uh, legs. Uh, crab legs, crawfish, uh-huh. like shrimp. Like give me a bucket. Like give me a boil bucket. I'll take that as well. So there you go. Uh, when we get back, we'll have a little bit of fun. A couple things we'll get to, including we'll talk about the uh, the Hawks' victory tonight. Chuck Green, the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game. Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. He's in the zone. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Junkery Show, hanging out at the Kia Studios, in the top of the hour. Here, Sports Brief coming up next. 404-741-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app, so you catch us on the go. Social media at 9 on the game, at jmch 316 at underscore Dylan Matthews. Uh, Hawks win tonight, uh, 118-113. Pulled away late uh, in the game. Um, outscored the uh, Detroit Pistons by five in the fourth quarter. And, uh, and win at 118-113 in what will be a back-to-back set of games in Detroit. This is weird. This They're only doing this, like, 
three times with the with the Hawks, I think. I think they have Washington, like Washington and somebody in Miami. I think there's three series three times they do this where they they stay in the city overnight and play the, the night after. So the Hawks will stay in Detroit. And if they're alive come Friday, they'll play the uh Pistons again. <laughs> oh my um, god. So um big night for Trey Young. He had 35. Collins was really well. Uh, played really well tonight. He had 19 points and 11 boards on 9 of 14 shooting. Only took the 1-3 uh, tonight. He had four blocks in that game, too. Uh, DeAndre Hunter had 17 points. He fouled out of the game with a bad foul, that final foul on a three-point shot that Bogdanovich hit and actually turned into a four-point play. Four, excuse me, a four-point play. So, But the Hawks get a victory. First game in their five-game road trip. Remember, we said this at the start of the show. The Hawks last year started off one in eight on the road, which included that West Coast trip. But they started out one in eight on the road, and it took them a lot to try to recover from all of it. So good to see them get a win. They need to keep this up. They got the Pistons again. Then it's Milwaukee, Toronto, and in Madison Square Garden against their sons, the uh, the New York Knicks out of all of it. So Good uh, good game tonight for the uh, Atlanta Hawks. A, uh, a definite win out there. Um, did I tell you that the best part of my day, Dylon, was the fact that I got a haircut today? Can I tell you? That's awesome. Like, my hair was so thick and long. Like, just and, – and there's nothing that I hate more in life than that thick mat of hair on the back of my neck. Oh, yeah. Now, do you do you go to a barber and get your hair cut or anything like that? Yeah. Okay. I went to not too. I went last Friday actually. Okay, so you go to like a barber. Yep, go okay. to a barber. Do you tip? Uh, yes, I do. I I tip at least. Uh, so my I most time I tip them twenty. Okay. Yeah. Wow, you tip twenty bucks? Mm-hmm. On yeah. Top so of like the uh, so yeah. So like my my haircut costs like four. I think his price podcast like money's paying pretty good. I mean, you know, I'm just I'm just trying to I'm just trying to be nice, but I I use I think his. It used to cost forty or forty five, so I leave fifteen or twenty. I'm pretty sure his haircut now is forty, and I pay him sixty. Okay, because uh, I I tip as well. I mean, I don't tip as much, but on a twenty five dollar haircut, like ten bucks or something like that. I mean, but see, so. I, I don't get my haircut like super often. I you know I I do it every like one maybe three weeks, two weeks, something like that. Hold on. Still, every two three weeks you're yeah, getting your haircut. Maybe a month. It, it just depends on my schedule. And what I have going. If I have if I have like an event coming up that I like, okay, I need to, you know, look well, somewhere yeah, decent I get for yeah. But two or three weeks is often. Like I just went like six weeks without getting a haircut. Oh yeah, I can't do that. I'll be looking like a grizzly man. I mean I could, but I'd be wow. looking all grizzly. All right. Well, we know where all your money's uh, going to everything. Um, did you see that Kenley Jansen said he would be open to returning to the Dodgers? Good for him. Uh TMZ caught up with him and he said he would be okay with a reunion with the Dodgers if they would be interested. I got a feeling that they're not going to re-sign him here. Nah. I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's coming back here. Maybe. Um I like but, the I like the fact of Iglesias being our closer. I like that. I'll be okay I, with that. I wonder if they'll go out and get somebody else or not. I, I am going to be curious to see what they do with their bullpen. Yes, I, I don't know if they want to make Iglesias the closer, I got no problem with that. I just wonder if that's what they're going to do. Right. Um, but they might. I mean, again, I don't think they're going to re-sign Jansen. I don't think he's going to be here next year. Wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't go back to the Dodgers. Um, Craig Kimbrell was awful. In fact, Craig Kimbrell was left off of their uh, playoff roster, if you remember. He was left off the NLDS roster 
Um, that's how bad it went for Craig Kimbrell this past season. So, look, Jansen led the league in saves. I know people didn't like the way it went at times for him, but in all honesty, you know, for the number of saves that he had, his his save percentage wasn't bad at all. I mean, it wasn't Josh Hader, but nobody is Josh Hader. Josh Hader's on another planet right now. I, Kenley Jansen would have had to have had two and a half saves to finish with the save same save percentage as Edwin Diaz. That's the difference between Edwin Diaz and Kenley Jansen is if Jansen would have had two and a half more saves, he would have had the same save percentage as Diaz. Because everyone's like, oh, Diaz never blows a save. Well, he does, but Jansen was two and a half saves within the same percentage. Because Diaz was 91%. Jansen was 86%. So if he had two and a half more saves, he'd have gotten to 91%. Would have had the same thing. By the way, real quick. Uh, so Philly, Miami, and Washington are the teams remaining that we do that like back-to-back in their city type deal. Philly, Philly, Miami, and Washington? Uh-huh, and Miami okay. and Washington, we actually do it back-to-back. So we do two against Miami okay. in Miami, two against Washington in Washington, four straight games. Okay. Crazy. Okay. Uh, again, I I know they said to cut down on travel in the NBA for cut down on travel for what? I, I – whatever. You need to cut down on games. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Like that's – listen – Start chopping some games off. Get me down to 66 games. Look, that'll save you some travel yeah, if you cut exactly. down some games. Yeah, cut it down to 66, start it at Christmas, and go. Anyway, um, chances to make the college football playoff. These are the odds right now for teams to make the college football playoff. By the way, first poll comes out on Tuesday. Be very interesting to see. We had Heather Dinich on last night. She's great. I love Heather Dinich. We need to have her back on the show. We've talked to her before here. Um, who do you think has the best odds in the country to make the football playoff right now? Just make the playoff period. That's what these odds are. Ohio State. Yeah, 81%. Yeah. yeah. Um, Georgia comes in at number two, 69%. I see that, yeah. Clemson's three at 62. Alabama's four at 54. Tennessee is fifth at 51 and then it goes Michigan at 49, and then it drops all the way down to Southern Cal at 10%. Wow. TCU is 8. Oregon is 5. And I don't even know how this is possible. They have Penn State listed at 4%. Didn't they already lose? Multiple, Multiple times. times. Yeah. They're, 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 about to get, they're about to get smashed this weekend because they get Ohio State. Ohio State's coming in. Ohio State's going to smash the daylights out of them. So there goes that 1% after this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like They'll they'll be completely limited. I will be curious to see what the top four, really the top six, looks like. Because I do think Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee are the top three. But who gets the four spot? Is it Michigan? Is it Clemson? Is it Alabama? And then who sits right behind? Because I think it's going to be Clemson, Alabama, Michigan are going to be the next three after Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee. That's your first three. Your next three are, or and then I think Clemson probably slides in in there maybe, but TCU, Alabama, uh, Clemson, Michigan, those teams are going to be very interesting to see what happens because I think I think Georgia, Ohio State, and Tennessee are in the playoff right now, but who that fourth team is, and then five six. Because you figure that it's 
Clemson, Bama, Michigan is the next three with maybe TCU just kind of lingering out there. So we'll see. But the first poll comes out Tuesday. We'll be on Tuesday night uh, of next week. Um, we actually got – can we say our special guest? Yeah. Okay. I think I wish to do it. And it's, it's going to fit great for the, the rankings yeah, coming out. because we be got great. West Blankenship that's going to sit in with us. So formerly of 11 Alive. Well, what does he do now? He does a podcast with somebody from ESPN. I would have to look it up. I'm not sure. Marty something? Oh, yeah, yeah, Marty Smith. Yeah, from ESPN. Okay, who's that? I, I don't know who that – I mean, I know his face. Yeah. But what does he do? He does a little bit of everything from okay. them. But yeah, he he did like NASCAR. He did college football. He, he okay. did a lot. Yeah. All right. All right, cool. So he'll be in with us coming up next Tuesday. All right, when we get back, I'm going to wrap it up with the Love TKO, Sports Ready Not to the Game, Odyssey.com map. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Wrapping things up on the John Chuckery Show, as we always do with that love TKO. Jared Sports Brief coming up here next at the top of the hour. We'll get you deck set up for what I got going on the rest of this week. Before we get out of here, though, let me let, let let me let you have a listen to what is the greatest opening lyric in all of music history. So no show tomorrow night. We got uh, NFL football, um, Ravens and Tampa Bay. By the way, it should be an interesting game. Then Friday, Mike Bell and I are together, and I believe we are going to be up at Twin Peaks in Kennesaw. So as of now, at least that's what the schedule says, is that we're at Twin Peaks in Kennesaw. You going to drink you some hayo? No, no. I don't usually <laughs> drink on remote and stuff like that. Let's eat, somebody will buy you a shot or something like that. We'll do that later maybe, but no. Um, so Twin Peaks on Saturday. College football show, me, Chris, and Randy. Um, that's Saturday morning from 8 to noon. Sunday, of course, Hugh Douglas and I will be at the Wade Fort tailgate. Obviously, the Falcons are home, so we'll be out there in the smooth lot. And then Monday, as of now, unless things change, who the hell knows around here, but it's supposed to be Steak and I on Monday, so filling in for Steak on Monday. Then our show on Tuesday, after Hawks basketball, as they take on the Knicks on Wednesday, and then God only knows from there. I guess I'll work like 20 days in a row uh, for everything. So um, so I'll be on every, like, random show. College football, Wade Ford, Dukes and Bell, Steak, my show. Anybody else we got left? You're taking over the station. I guess. Sooner or later, you're going to be on my show on the weekends. Yeah. I mean, hell, I, the only time I can see is if you get the podcast going, you know. <laughs> I said, you know, if you're not, if I don't run into you for a – you said, come on the podcast. I was like, hell, if I, if I don't come on the podcast, i got to get a carrier pigeon just to find you. Hey, I've been on every every single time there's a John Chuckery show going on. I've been on it for the past, like, yeah, over be. a month. Yeah, you should because there's no friggin' soccer. <laughs> there's no soccer left. Those guys tanked and – Mufta. By the way, the World Cup's about ready to get uh, going here in November. Oh, yeah, that's right. So yeah. we got uh, World Cup in uh, what, Qatar? Isn't that where it is? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Is it Qatar or Qatar? I'm pretty sure it's Qatar. I think it's Qatar. But uh, no, yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, people no, pronounce it, it both ways. It's but, Qatar. Yeah. Okay. Like a guitar. <laughs> yeah. Not like AJ Cannon with his acoustic guitar. So anyway, all right. Um, Hawks win. We got to get out of here. I will see you on Friday with Dukes and Bell live at Twin Peaks in Kennesaw. For Dylan, it's Chuckery. We'll see you. Bye. Take it the bombs and the
I know what's 